Father God, we hesitate there before we speak because we want to consider properly who you are and who we are. You are the creator, the sustainer of all things. You're the redeemer. You're the one who created that wonderful plan of redemption along with uh, the universe with all of its interesting uh, uh, details. So many are learning so much more about as the days passed uh, through our uh, capabilities that you put into mankind to search out the creation and to examine it carefully and to conclude that indeed uh, it was not an accident and couldn't have been, but that uh, you as creator were there at the beginning before anything else was. And you, our Lord Jesus, your son, second person of the Trinity, our Lord Jesus, pre-incarnate, spoke forth that creation with words that had power. So, Father, thank you so much that you've created and sustained and continue to do so uh, everything that you've made. Father, we're so thankful that everything that you have made is uh, trending in the direction of the uh, completed plan uh, where will be fulfilled your promises towards a fallen, sinful mankind. Father, I'm so thankful that it is not by our works that we're saved, but by grace and uh, through faith in our precious Savior. So, Father, thank you that we've, we've trusted you and what you've revealed about him. I pray that as we open your word this morning, it would be a benefit to us and be a foundation for our faith uh, as we go forth as your witnesses. Speaking forth boldly, I pray, as several have requested, concerning uh, these precious things. These, these words, uh, truly words of eternal life. Um, may we speak them boldly to those that are still in the bond of eternal death, and uh, may they be saved. Father, there are many needs on our hearts and in our minds. Some have been expressed this morning. We do pray for those that suffer great loss, whether that's physically, uh, emotionally, financially, uh, through the threats of the enemy, through the words of destruction which are thrown about seeking to harm, seeking to to cause great damage. And so we do pray, Father, for some that have suffered those those uh, attacks of the enemy uh, a lot in the last years. One of them is uh, Dan Crenshaw, now also with this trial regarding his eyesight. We pray that he would be delivered in due time from that, Father. Pray for uh, our country in general. Certainly our country is in great need with um, the lies of the enemy being propagated uh, at, at taxpayer expense. And oh, the consequences of, that, of those things are great. So, Father, I certainly pray for our nation and our leaders that you would uh, overwhelm their personal will with your will, Father, that it might be 
still accomplished in this country, that it might be delivered from the enemy's control, which is, seems seems to be getting even greater. But we know, Father, who's really in charge. And I do pray, Father, for our outreach to others. And I pray, Father, for those that we've spoken to over the years. And we don't yet know whether they're truly saved, but uh, they certainly are listening. So, Father, uh, may uh, your word be a blessing to us now as we would open it together. And I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we have a great opportunity today to move ahead a little further. We are now in the middle of the book of Acts. It's been many years since I've been teaching the book of Acts here. We did look at it uh, somewhat a few times, uh, sort of a quick overview, this time a little more detailed, all in the general context of rightly dividing the word of truth. Remember, we were in Second Timothy, and I uh, took a break here to explain further what rightly dividing the word of truth is all about. Uh, so, we started out at the beginning of the book of Acts, and, and we now are down in the middle. Um, but I hope that the essence of the book is becoming very clear to you all. It's a very important book in the Bible. It's not only history, but mostly and an inspired history written by Luke, who is uh, well instructed as he writes uh, in grace, having been Paul's uh, assistant for a number of years when he writes the book of Acts. <clears throat> um, this is all about the great transition and uh, each time we sort of restate that, which the, the transition is not between um, paganism and Christianity. That's not the transition that the book of Acts is recording. But rather, uh, the transition is between the preaching of kingdom law and grace. And uh, so we see the development of that one step at a time here. Last time we saw that Paul began finally uh, his first missionary journey. We previously saw how he was saved dramatically, miraculously really, on, on the road to Damascus and had a face-to-face -face meeting with the risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. There was a revelation given that he would suffer greatly for the Lord and for the work of the Lord. And uh, we'll see how that continues today in an amazing way as we get to chapter uh, chapters 13 and 14 again. But our outline is pretty simple. Paul's first missionary journey continues. The theme is repeated and interrupted, but fruitful nevertheless. 
So first of all, the ministry, his ministry's theme, you'll find out what I mean by theme again today. We talked about it last time, but more today. The theme of Paul's ministry is displayed. That's in chapter 13. It's repeated. The theme, exemplified again, it's repeated in chapter 14. And uh, then it's also in chapter 14, interrupted. Interrupted. <laughs> and finally, as the uh, apostles get back to Antioch from where they were originally sent out into Gentile territory, when they return, they give a report that the missionary journey was fruitful. Okay, so the theme is repeated and interrupted, but fruitful nevertheless, as uh, the first missionary journey is finally brought to a conclusion. So let's uh, start out by doing some review, but really this is my first point today. The ministry's theme is displayed. Okay, so Paul and Barnabas are sent forth, and you remember they're sent forth by the Holy Spirit who speaks, right? Acts chapter 13, verse 2. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. That's Acts 13, 2. And then Acts 13, 4. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Okay, today we know something about Cyprus. Uh, Historically, it's been an important place, a large island uh, in the Mediterranean. Okay, Um, the Holy Spirit speaks. Really, when, when Paul and Barnabas go forth, to Gentile lands, uh, they're not going because of the will of the uh, leaders in Antioch. They're going, uh, really, because the Spirit of God is sending them forth. Okay? And they knew it. And they knew it. Um, So that's the way Acts 13 begins. Okay, now you remember, and I'm not going to spend any time on it, but you remember how one of the first things that they find are false prophets, <laughs> and this is in Crete, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus in Aramaic means the son of Jesus, interestingly. Um, so there's a false prophet who's also a sorcerer, and uh, Paul's preaching, and a Gentile, he's in fact called the deputy. He's a Roman who's second in command to whoever is responsible for the island of Crete. And uh, his name is Sergius Paulus, Paulus, B-A-U-L-U-S, okay? The interesting names are Bar-Jesus, a sorcerer and a false prophet, a Jew, and Sergius Paulus, uh, a Roman uh, of considerable power and authority, a Roman named Paul, hmm, interesting. Um, what happens, the Gentile has his blindness lifted 
and he believes the gospel, uh, and the Jew, the false prophet, has his eyes blinded. So, does this signal what's yet to come in the book of Acts? I think it does. The Jewish uh, nation will be uh, blinded, and its leaders, uh, it'll be ongoing. It's already happened in Jerusalem, Judea, and so forth. We've already seen that. Um, and it led to Stephen's uh, stoning, you remember. And uh, it will continue. And But Gentiles will have their eyes opened spiritually to the truth of the gospel. And that's uh, what we find from Acts 13 onwards to the end of the book of Acts. Well, Paul goes forth city to city along with uh, initially John Mark's with them, uh, also Barnabas the whole time there on this first missionary journey. They go uh, across the sea. They end up in Antioch of Pisidia, which is a significant uh, commercial center on the Roman road there. Paul goes into the synagogue along with Barnabas and they are invited finally after the readings, after the readings, they're on the Sabbath day, they're invited to speak. And Paul stands up and speaks forth and reveals in a nutshell kind of the entire history of the nation. And he just picks out certain key points and he goes to scripture uh, to underscore his meaning. Interestingly, the scriptures he goes to are not the ones they have just read, nor they, that they ever read, uh, because the Jews had left out the critical scriptures that they so desperately needed in order to comprehend that Jesus was truly their long-awaited Messiah, right? And yet Paul has the scripture well in hand and uh, quotes uh, that to them. The Holy Spirit's directing the whole thing. The end result is that the rulers of the synagogue there reject the teaching. They reject their own scripture. They reject the word of the Lord that Paul has spoken to them. And the consequence is kind of dramatic. Um, we did spend time looking exactly at those scriptures that Paul quoted last time. Please go back to the notes uh, online on libertymessenger.org in order to study that if you'd like to refresh your memory. But uh, what Paul does mainly is to quote from the Psalms, three different Psalms, and also from the prophets, from Isaiah and uh, also others. <clears throat> and uh, I can only imagine that when he's doing this, uh, these these uh, scribes and so forth there and leaders of the synagogue are spinning their scrolls madly, trying to find the scriptures <laughs> that Paul is quoting from uh, because they're not familiar with them. And this is something that you can still document. The the ancient reading, um, liturgical readings in the synagogues have been preserved. 
And there are several different versions of those. There's a short form where they go through uh, the the Old Testament, mostly, mostly, of course, uh, the Pentateuch. That's uh, the first five books, which they call the Torah. Uh, Mostly the focus is there in one year or in three years. So they'll give a a more complete overview uh, of the Old Testament. Again, mostly focusing on the first five books, of course, on Moses' law, because what they have believed is that it's through obedience to the law that a person can be saved, ultimately. That's uh, the perverted gospel they've believed. And uh, unfortunately, we saw how that led to rebellion against our Lord Jesus himself there in Jerusalem and so forth. Um now, if you think about our current time, and I think we should, um, today we have a parallel situation in the churches and in the seminaries. Uh, they, in those days, had left out of their readings. They had it still on the scrolls, but they left it out of their readings, the critical scriptures, right, from the Psalms and prophets, um, because they were focusing on Moses' law, right? Um Today, the scriptures are preserved by God quite well, but it's through translations that uh, the people have been left in darkness. First of all, Latin, remember, for many hundreds of years, uh, Latin was uh, the only available uh, translation of the scriptures. The Roman church uh, required it by law, by by uh, church law, and in fact, uh, it was through pain of death that uh, one deviated from that. So, some that translated uh, either from the Latin even or translated from the Greek and the Hebrew were uh, were executed because of it. Okay, so Latin that the common people didn't understand uh, was the lingua. Franca, the common language of the day in the church, and uh, so people were preventing, prevented from knowing the truth of God uh, through translations, and uh, now today it's through contemporary language paraphrases that uh, confuse uh, the teaching of the scripture. Um, it's been said, and I mostly believe it, that without the King James Version then being preserved, and used, the knowledge of the word of God rightly divided may well be extinguished. Uh, It's not 100% true, but there's a lot of truth to it. Okay, let's go on. Um, So Paul preaches, he he goes to the Psalms, and uh, to Isaiah, and Isaiah... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the main prophet that he goes to. And what does he find there? <laughs> oh, my. Um, prophecies relating to not David, but to the seed of David, the seed of the woman, in fact, right? Prophecies that could only be fulfilled through a resurrected Messiah. Okay, And those are the very scriptures that the Jews were not reading anymore. So they didn't know how to recognize their own Messiah, right? 
And so Paul, relying on the Holy Spirit to, to write these words on the hearts of some there in the synagogue, is very bold with the second psalm and also the 16th psalm. And uh, I think you remember from last time a lot about that. I hope so. Only the resurrected Lord Jesus fulfills these prophecies uh, that David spoke forth so boldly, right? Finally, um, the rulers of the synagogue reject the teaching. And uh, there are two verses that I'd like us to start out with reading today that summarize that so well. And I'd like Linda to read that for us in Acts chapter 13, verses and then we'll have Patty read two more. But first of all, Linda, Acts 13, 35 through 37. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on his sleep, and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Okay, thanks, Linda. And Patty, uh, verses 38 and 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that though that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now that's blessed and divine logic there. Paul presenting really the uh, foundational truth of the gospel of grace, right? The divine logic of it. If Christ is risen and not having suffered corruption at all, as all who died before did, right? As David, in fact, did. David's bones still being in the tomb, right? Then the prophecies weren't about David. They were about the one that David was the type of, namely uh, the seed of the woman, the seed of David, uh, Israel's coming Messiah, right? So uh, the resurrection of Christ uh, proves that Christ is Israel's Messiah. <clears throat> uh, that's there. The Holy Spirit there that day that heard it. Unfortunately, not the leaders of the synagogue. <clears throat> there were other Jews, though, that heard the message. It says there were many Jews who heard the message and did believe, and a great number of Gentiles. Finally, here at the end of Paul's message, he mentions Moses. <clears throat> uh, you can be sure that in their readings earlier, it was all about Moses, because it was salvation by works through keeping Moses' law that they were focused on there in the synagogue that day. Uh, Paul doesn't mention Moses till the end of his message, and you can see how he does it here. By him, by the risen Christ, all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's how he leaves it, leaves it and uh, the rulers of the synagogue reject the message. Uh, he goes to the book of Isaiah 
and uh, reads uh, something quite appropriate there at <laughs> would have really cut them to the heart. Isaiah 28, verses 15 and 16. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement, when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Oh, my. The next verse. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth on him shall not make haste. The very next verse uses the word the hiding place from which, of course, you know about Corey Ten Boom's <laughs> book, right? By the same title. Uh, I have to say, when I read Isaiah 28 and also 50, Isaiah 55, which he is also quoted from, it's just amazing, it seems to me, the choice of scripture that Paul has made here and uh, how he lays it on the heart of those that hear that day. So, he leaves them behind. He finally uh, speaks words of condemnation, and uh, we find that in uh, the verses that I've, I've asked uh, Gail to read in Acts uh, chapter 13, verses 46 through 48. Gail? Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Oh, so much could be said. Thanks, Gail. Thanks so much for that. Uh, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, because they didn't have to wait. According to the kingdom rule, they had to wait until Jerusalem submitted to the Lord and believed, then Judea and Samaria, and finally it would go to the uttermost end of the world and the earth, right? But they didn't have to wait, even though uh, Israel was not rising any longer, but falling. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, the message had gone forth to the Gentiles. This is pure grace, of course, right? So the Gentiles were, of course, glad to hear this and uh, glorified the word of the Lord. So, with great mercy now, Paul's reached out. He's gone out to the Jews first in the synagogue, but they rejected for the most part, and then turned to the Gentiles. And this is the theme. I keep mentioning the theme uh, that's going to be repeated, okay? So chapter 13 gives the example of that in great detail, of how it would go there in the synagogue when it went according to the theme, Right? Uh, Paul would go into the synagogue, he would uh, preach to the Jews um, and to Gentile proselytes who were also there listening on, 
And they were in an outside room, but they could hear what was being said. And uh, the theme would be that he would preach boldly. He would give them proof from their own scriptures concerning the resurrection of Christ and why Christ uh, was offered up in the first place to die for the sins uh, of the world and then to be um, raised again gloriously. Paul didn't give all the details of that at that time, I'm sure, but he did lay the foundation, right? And we see the example of that there in Antioch of Pisidia. The big question would be, what about the ruling Jews? Are they going to believe or not? Or are they going to follow in the footsteps of the leaders there in Jerusalem? And uh, we'll see um, how that goes. I think you already know. Um, so that's the detail of the theme uh, of the ministry of Paul now in the second half of the book of Acts. Okay? Let's begin now to look at how this theme is repeated. That's uh, uh, the beginning there of chapter 14. So let's go there. Let's go there. Uh, there are a number of verses to be read to start with there. So I've asked Ann to read those. So that's Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Ann? And it came to pass in Iconium that they both that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake, that a great multitude both of the Jews and also of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil, affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode, they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it, and fled unto Lystra and Lerba, Lerba, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth around about. And there they preached the gospel. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much. So you see the theme repeated. Uh, <laughs> same form, right? Going to the synagogue, preach boldly to the gathered Jews and the Gentiles who were listening on there. But the leaders and many reject the preaching, especially the Jews, right? Um, they're rejecting, really, the preaching of their own Messiah, right? And, and the rejection is on a large scale. It seems like there was an incredible uh, coming to faith there in the city of Iconium, Right? It says the whole city is divided. Uh, <clears throat> but um, the opposition is violent. They seek to stone Paul and Barnabas, right? 
But somehow the word gets out. Paul and Barnabas are secreted away and uh, and escape uh, successfully. That's sort of a summary. That's an overview of what happens there as recorded in Acts chapter 14. Now, there is something pretty incredible that happens. And I'll just summarize that it. it's verses 8, eight through uh, 22, but uh, it really it's the largest part of the chapter. I'm just going to summarize it, but uh, there's a man who's crippled from his birth, okay, who had never walked before, who is miraculously healed. Uh, he hears Paul speak, and Paul says, I can see that you have faith, and uh, he commands this cripple to stand up. <laughs> and the cripple stands up and starts leaping around <laughs> and walking. Everybody sees this, and it's completely overwhelming to them. <laughs> this city is given over to idolatry of the worst kind. And <laughs> and so um, the religious leaders say, oh, my, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Hmm, interesting what they believe, right? Actually, demons did come down and influenced the human race greatly, led to the flood, remember? And then after that, and so these uh, who are partakers of, of paganism and the relig various religions of the Greeks and the Rome, Romans, uh, they believe God has now uh, taken on human form. One of the gods is named Barnabas, and one of them is named uh, Paul, but they call him Jupiter and Mercury. <laughs> uh, and it says in there also, the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Oh, my goodness. So that's that's how Satan you know, perverts the whole situation, causes quite an uproar. And uh, Barnabas and Paul are kind of overwhelmed by this whole thing. And, and that's where they make this great statement. I'll just read the words there. Verse uh, 15 and 16 and 17. Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you. We're not gods, we're men of like passions with you. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. The living God, the creator, who in times past allowed all nations to walk in their own ways, nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness, in that he did good, gave rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, and filled our hearts with food and gladness. So it was thanksgiving to the creator and sustainer uh, that they were supposed to look and worship, right? Instead, they worshiped the creation itself and uh, various demonic uh, beings, right? <laughs> it says, the response of these people was strange. With these things, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. 
what happens? There came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Paul is stoned, considered to be dead, and drug out of the city and left there. His battered body, no doubt, uh, surrounded by believers. It says, as they stood around him, then Paul rose up and came into the city. The next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby, and they went from city to city to city, even to Iconium, even to Antioch of Pisidia, where they'd come from. Remember, they ran, uh, escaped from those places already. But fearlessly, Paul now having been raised, they go right back in there and preach boldly uh, there again. Wow. Uh, what what an event has occurred here. And the events that follow are, are dramatic, right? Paul, in verse 22, it says, confirmed the souls of the disciples. This is city to city to city. Exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. What Paul is saying is that there's much suffering ahead. If this happened to me, expect it's going to happen to you, right? Much, much suffering will go along with the preaching of the grace of God. And that brings us to the final part here today. This missionary journey then comes to its conclusion. Uh, they passed through these various cities that they'd come through originally back uh, to the coastline, and from there they catch a ship and sail off to, again, Syria, and then travel to Antioch, the city from whence they had originally been sent forth by the Holy Spirit of God, right, uh, to present the grace of God to the Gentiles. It says in Acts uh, 14, what we need to know here as we finish up today. So, Charlie, I'd like you to read that for us. Acts 14, verses 23 through 28. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia and then sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them, and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Thank you, Charlie. Oh, my. It says here they gave a review. They gave a report. It's interesting that in the... uh, verse that summarizes what was in the report, (laughs) what it says is that God opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. It doesn't say that the door of faith to the leading Jews was closed, right? Synagogue by synagogue by synagogue. It mentions only that the door of faith has been opened unto the Gentiles. 
So again, the theme of that would become so constant in Paul's missionary journeys uh, is uh, repeated again there, only of course interrupted. But the consequence and the result is is in the end the same. Paul closes the door in the synagogue and goes forth to the Gentiles. And it's glorious. Churches, assemblies are founded in all of these cities, right? Uh, And Paul comes back to visit them and encourages them, says there's much suffering now to come. Uh, This will continue, as we will see, to the very end of the book of Acts. And in chapter 28 of the book of Acts, after finally getting to the synagogue in Rome, preaching there to the Jews, ruling that synagogue, this is what Paul says there. Acts 28:23. When they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And he goes on, and we'll certainly be spending time on this uh, another day, Lord willing, but it says, uh, concerning them as they reject uh, the message, the heart of this people is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) So, praise God. The theme is revealed, it's uh, repeated, it's interrupted, but the work of God continues. The minds of many Jews are closed, Uh, the minds of many Gentiles are opened, and the ministry to the Gentile assemblies focuses in, as is mentioned here several times, on the grace of God. So, Praise God for his abundant, abundant grace. You know, those Gentiles rejoiced, and we do too, right? Rejoicing in the grace of God. What a wonderful thing it is. God's not finished with Israel yet. He will yet call out a people for his name. He will fulfill those prophecies written about that day. That elect nation will inherit what had been promised, and that is the land. There will be a kingdom ruled over by their Messiah, our Lord Jesus, and uh, the twelve apostles resurrected. (laughs) And that kingdom will go on for 1,000 years. That will be an earthly inheritance, but we have a heavenly one. Praise God for that. 
Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you today. Are there any uh, comments? You see how the book of Acts is very carefully constructed. And Luke writes down exactly what you need to know in order to see uh, how God's work is continuing in those days, right? Praise the Lord. Any uh, comments or questions today? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for gathering us. And uh, the blessings we are enjoying, Father, are so many. In fact, uh, you've revealed uh, in your letter to the Ephesians through the Apostle Paul that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies already given to us in Christ Jesus, every spiritual blessing. So thank you for the great pouring out of your grace and uh, all that that's meant and continues to mean and will always mean throughout all eternity. Thank you that as we listen and wait for that uh, voice from heaven, we can live above the affairs of this world, far above uh, the affairs of this world. And uh, may we set our minds properly, Father, to that end, that we may not be caught up, anxious, fearful, with uh, the enemy's uh, uh, rage and uh, attacks, but that we may, Father, be focused on eternal matters, knowing that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenlies. It was that way for the Apostle Paul, and it's that way for us. So, Father, I pray that we might follow in his footsteps well, and uh, that your blessing would uh, uh, be convincing to us and empowering. May we be bold for you, Father, in these days. And I do pray, Father, in Christ's name, and amen, and, and amen. <laughs>